Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. As usual, it's Drew here and I'm alongside Josh and Connor getting you Caught up on a pretty crazy week of MLS, U.S. Men's National Team, Canadians Men's National Team, and everything in between. So thanks again so much for tuning in as we catch you up on the week. But it has been a crazy week in the world of soccer. Um, We had some finals in some tournaments across the ocean, and it's just been a fun week in general. So, Josh, how has your week been? How has watching finals been? I guess I should ask you. How, how are you feeling after Italy-England, after Copa America final? It's looking like soccer's trying to slow down, but how, how has the past week been treating you? I'm going to be com- completely honest with you guys. I just spilled a whole glass of water in my lap. I thought like, I heard yeah, something. Like, right, <laughs> as you, right as you were asking me how I was doing, so now my only thoughts are like, I'm cold and wet. That's how I'm doing <laughs> Um Oh my gosh. Um <laughs> <laughs> this is a really fun episode already. I love this. We are, we're off to a fantastic start. No, my microphone, I, I was stupid for putting my water behind my microphone, so I couldn't see my hand, and I was adjusting something, and I totally just toppled it over the edge here. Uh, no, but my my week was good. Uh, I went out to a, a, a pub on Sunday to watch uh, the, the European final, and um, I was cheering for England, so I was a little disappointed that Italy got the win, um, and I also, I, I was working earlier in the day, so I was coming from work to the pub and so I missed the Luke Shaw goal. So like the most exciting part of the game, like when it got off to a fast start, like I missed all that. Um, so I like the final to me wasn't like super enjoyable from a neutral perspective and especially as an England fan, but yeah, that's all wrapped up. I got to see some of the, um, Copa America final, super happy for Messi to finally get international trophy. He deserves it. Um, other than that, I mean, it's the same old, same old been working. Um, I've got band that I'm teaching this week. So that's a a bit different for me. I'll be doing that over the next like week and a half. So I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, going to the lane nine game on Saturday, they play our new England revs. So I will be very glad to watch new England destroy Atlanta. All the new England fans be right. But Connor, how was your week? How was your time away at the cottage? Yeah, uh, I missed the last episode because we were driving back for the eight-hour journey that the drive is. Uh, But week away was nice. Uh, Grandparents showed up a few days in. It's the first time we've sort of been that close with them in like over a year since the pandemic started. Um, So that was good uh, spending time with them. Just nice spending time out there. 
taken a bit of a break. Um, so yeah, uh, still grinding away and hopefully trying to get back to normal, although I'm still far from that. Um, Drew, how are you doing? I'm not going to talk about the England thing because uh, it's just, there's so much to that and I'm just going to avoid that. But Drew, how was your week? It was good. Yeah, like Josh, I went to a English restaurant here in Athens, very English, full of English fans to watch the game. And it was pouring down rain here in Nashville. I don't know if it was in Georgia, but we were in the car rolling up a little late, and then we found out that Shaw scored, so we sprinted out in the pouring rain to get to the restaurant. And then from there, it was not very fun. I thought I missed the only goal, but I got there, Italy equalized, and eventually Italy won in penalty kicks. Um, But yeah, happy to see Messi win his first international trophy, watch that at a restaurant. So that was always fun. I think everyone was pretty happy for that. But yeah, uh, life's calming down a little bit. Thankfully, there's no Wednesday, Saturday game situation here in Nashville, or I really think in MLS. I think the midweek games have kind of chilled. Um, we had that little international break. Got to see Walker Zimmerman play in the United States men's national team games. So that was really exciting. Um, yeah, it was always a good week. Um, yeah, a lot of North Americans abroad, a lot of players moving around, going from club to club and things like that. But before we get to that, we're going to take a little break and talk to you about our friends at Manscaped. Again, um, Manscaped has another awesome product, the Lawnmower 4.0. We've uh, really enjoyed talking about Manscaped, our partnership with them. They're awesome. And as the summer is rolling around, uh, Manscaped has released their new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, a Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, so you can take care everything you need to take care of trimmings uh the trimmer is waterproof too so as in the summer start dealing with getting in the pool going to the beach and lake and things like that the trimmer is awesome to work with in the shower or anywhere else it's waterproof so that's phenomenal and like always uh we have a special deal for our listeners here you get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com again fansided20 at manscaped.com it is 20 percent off and free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com so be sure to take advantage of that awesome offer and um yeah so again take care of that for free shipping and 20 percent off but guys, uh, we had some North Americans abroad. We had some players moving around. I'm um, a player we haven't really talked about a whole lot. Ethan Horvath, he signed with Nottingham Forest. They finished 17th in the championship this past season. Um, a goalkeeper that I think made some noise with the men's national team, and we're excited to see his development. But another thing that isn't official is an official move, but is exciting here for MLS and for the U.S. men's national team purposes. Chris Mueller with Orlando City apparently gaining interest from three Belgian clubs. I don't think the clubs have been named. I personally haven't seen this report. It's I I don't know the Belgian team names, but I believe there's also a Dutch team interested. I think it's like Groningen, something like that. I thought I saw a report tonight saying they might be interested too. Yeah, I'll be honest. I put that in the doc, and I just didn't bother naming the Belgian teams, or I it might have included that Dutch team because I'd never heard of them before. So I mean, they're not like this isn't you in know, depth analysis. This isn't like Anderlecht or uh, you know PSV. You know, so I just didn't bother putting it in there. But yeah, Chris I'll Miller gaining it. interest from three Belgian teams as Connor tries to find which teams they are. Um, Orlando obviously reluctant to let him go because he's pretty phenomenal, and it looks like he wants to join a team in the summer, not in the winter. Um, 
So what I'm interested in, guys, I want to ask you about this, obviously. Okay, Josh. Sorry, one of them might be a little big now that I'm remembering. (laughs) Anderlecht. Oh, the team you just said it wasn't. No, 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 there's no way. (laughs) Wait, hold on a second. Are you serious? RIC Anderlecht, KFV Ustend, and OH Leuven, according to Transfer Market. Crap. Okay. Sorry, guys. That is peak... Peak MLS Multiplex podcast. I dropped the ball on that one. (laughs) This is what I get for working on the outline at work. It's not go. It's not underlet. Trust us. It's first team that pulls up. First team. First team on the list. Whoops. (laughs) But so Chris Mueller looking like he is getting interest from some clubs in Europe. And I'm interested, guys. I want to talk to you about it. Obviously, we know Daryl DK. Um, has had some interest going overseas, and I think we all just kind of assume he's going to go. But this kind of came out of nowhere. So, Josh, I guess I'll start with you. If him and Daryl DK leave, and I want to look more toward next season because we don't know when these guys are going to leave, whether it be in the summer or the winter. If 2022 rolls around, Orlando City is without Daryl DK and Chris Mueller, where does that leave them for 2022? Because obviously they're a pretty good team. I think they're in the top three in the East right now. But if both those guys leave, where does that put them for 2022? They're screwed, honestly. Unless they can, I mean, seriously, unless they can bring in like really strong reinforcements, which I think now that I'm I'm thinking about it, I think I did see a rumor that Orlando City were looking to bring in, a, I think it was a young attacking player. Um so unless they can get solid reinforcements, I mean, they're going to be in trouble. And I'm, I'm starting to get a little concerned for this season, honestly, not even 2022, but if Miller wants to leave or Mueller, sorry, if Chris Mueller wants to leave um, this summer, which he said he did. And if DK ends up moving this summer, which seems likely and has always seemed likely, I don't know how Orlando survives that again, unless they bring in people immediately. And even then it might take some time for those new players to, get acquainted with the team and, and get settled in. So if I'm an Orlando fan, like it's exciting for sure, because you know, it's great to see these young players that you've drafted move on. But at the same time, like this is your team. This is like the most productive, most exciting part of your team right now, I would argue. And we've seen DK's effect from coming back already. And the fact that Mueller is starting to pick things up, like Orlando is starting to look better, except maybe, other than this past week, which we'll get into later in this podcast. But um, yeah, I mean, I would start definitely being a little worried about how Orlando is going to survive losing both these players, almost regardless of who they bring in. I don't know, because they still have Nanny, right? They brought in Vanderwater, which he's an attacker. Uh, I can't name anybody else, but realistically, you can get away with one attacking player. And a whole bunch of midfielders. Just look at Toronto FC uh, last season or in past seasons uh, after Jovinka left. I don't think that's fair because Pozuelo and Akinola are a deadly duo. And I don't think Orlando have anything close to that. If DK Pozuelo Pozuelo is a midfielder. I will say that. Uh, Akinola, yes. But he struggled with injuries, right? And you look at Toronto FC, they just beat New England. And albeit with Akinola, but... You know, you're able to survive without attacking players, especially in this league if you can, with the position they've put themselves in, I think they could survive. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a problem if they leave. I think they should definitely bring in at least one more attacking player just to have that depth in this season, considering Nanny is, what, 45 years old at this point. Um, 
So I think they can survive, but there's a lot of caveats to that. And I wouldn't be terrified if I were an Orlando fan. I'd be sweating a little bit, though. Um, and I don't think Miller will go in the summer. I think this will be an end-of-season thing where he just signs with a team abroad. I don't think Orlando will probably sell him, considering where they are. They'll, I think they'd rather go all in this season. Uh, so I think one of them will stay around, uh, whether it be DK or Miller. Um, I don't think... Orlando are in as bad a position as you do, Josh. But, Drew, what do you think? Are you siding more on my side? Are you siding more with Josh? Uh, how worried should Orlando fans be with Mueller potentially moving to Belgium or the Netherlands? Yeah, I think, obviously, you never want to lose a player as influential as both those guys. I'm looking at the stats right now, and they currently both have two goals, and Mueller is tied with first on the club with four assists. So obviously they've been pretty influential. Daryl DK has two goals and one assist, and he's appeared four times. So he has three goal contributions and four appearances and three starts in 250 minutes. And like you said, Connor, you kind of exaggerated a little bit, but Nani's old, he's 35, and you never know how long that's going to last. But yeah, he's kind of old, but he's still kicking butt. He has six goals, I think. He is somewhere up there in the golden boot. I remember we had this conversation with Josh last week where his real name is a lot longer than Nani. So I looked at the golden boot race. I was like, who's this clown from Orlando? It turns out to be Nani. But anyway, um, yeah, I think I would be worried because these guys are obviously really influential and in losing both of them depending on when you do lose them. They do have players, like you said, Connor, that can kind of keep up with it. But I don't, I'm not sure if I would buy into the idea that Orlando can keep up this kind of success that they've had as of late, obviously being a really good team last year, getting to MLS's back final. And now right now they're currently second in the Eastern Conference with one game in hand and three points behind New England. So I think they've, after a while of not being very good, um, they've built themselves into a pretty successful club for the last two seasons. I think these two guys have been massive parts of that, and to lose them would be pretty not good. I think they would still be an average MLS team, but I'm not sure if I would keep them as second place in the East and making runs to finals like they have as of late. Um, but it'll be interesting for sure. Obviously, a lot of transfers going on, and we will see what happened something that has for sure happened going across the country and some to vancouver uh Derek cornelius is going on loan to panathinaikos in greece uh, he's loaned until december 2022 with an option to purchase at the end of it um i guess connor as both of us you're you're the canadian expert i'm the weird annoying whitecaps fan who just chooses when i want to be a whitecaps fan because i'm a fan of everyone apparently um but the whitecaps man they've lost but ali adnan left on a free the club mutually him and the club mutually agreed to exterminate that contract and now this they're cornelius leaving until the end of 22 what the heck does that do with the whitecaps i think they have two dp spots open with adnan leaving but what is your take on the whitecaps losing cornelius and now ali adnan leaving well, I think the I'm Adnan I could see coming. The guy hasn't played for them this season because of visa issues. Uh I think it was just sort of a matter of time before that relationship really fell apart. Um so I don't think that's very unexpected. But the Cornelius thing is weird to me. You have a twenty three year old Canadian who I think is pretty talented, who just came off of 
a pretty good spell with Canada uh, at Olympic qualifiers. And they loan him to the second worst team in Greece. I don't know why other... How do I put this? Other MLS teams, but more specifically Canadian teams, weren't interested in bringing Cornelius in, even if it was on a loan, because he's a Canadian center back. That's very valuable when you consider the uh, Canadian championship coming up where you have to play a certain number of Canadians, and he's talented. So I don't really understand this from a Vancouver perspective, but... I guess they're really trusting in their three center backs, Rose, Veselin- English, Veselinovic, and Godoy, I think. Uh, but this was a bit puzzling to me. I wasn't fully sure why they would do this at this time. It feels like they're very uh, injury-prone at this point. But maybe I'm seeing this completely wrong. Maybe he just they just didn't think he would factor in. Maybe he wanted to go to Europe. Who knows? But I don't really understand it personally, but I guess it is what it is. Josh, do you have any thoughts on this? I am starting to get pretty concerned about the Whitecaps, um, more so because there seems to be a lot of pressure on Mark Dos Santos now. That hasn't been there before, and honestly, rightfully so. Um, So I don't know. I mean, you guys know (laughs) Whitecaps have been through so much change in the front office and with their coaching over the last, you know, five or so years that it's like, can these guys even catch a break? It just feels like a mishmash of like players and coaching staff that don't fit each other. And then, but there's still being decisions made on both sides. So yeah, I'm just starting to get concerned about the Whitecaps. I don't know when they will be able to start winning and succeeding again in this league. So that's, that's kind of how I feel about it, especially with these, as you guys have said, questionable moves. I know we didn't have this in the doc, but before I get your thoughts, Drew, I, want, uh, I wanted to ask a question because I saw somebody brought this up on Twitter. Uh, I can't remember who it was. But how much of a leash do you think Mark DeSantos has at this point? Because according to advanced statistics, every midfielder that Vancouver has brought in has underperformed where they were previously. Is that something where we see Mark DeSantos get sacked because this team isn't performing? Because they've brought in a lot of pretty good talent. Yeah, I think he's I think he's pretty close. I think his leash is pretty short. I think if the Whitecaps continue to lose over, let's say, the next month. How about this? I'll give him to the end of July. That's I'd have to look at their schedule to make sure. But if it's not, let's say there's four games... If he doesn't win at least two of those, or if he loses three of them somewhere in there, then I think he's probably gone. Yeah, I think I'm on the same boat as Josh. I'm trying to pull up right now, but I want to say that the Whitecaps were on the higher side of spending money on transfers coming in. They were. They were Um, like the top spending team in North America on transfers. Yikes. Yeah, that's not good when you're not making the playoffs. I really don't (laughs) think a lot of people are expecting him to make the playoffs. Um, See, obviously it's not good as JT Real Muto just hits a solo home run in the all-star game. Um, But yeah, that's not good. And yeah, I think to the end of the July, that might, that's really close and coming up. 
But I think, yeah, I mean, he's been there for, what, a couple of years, and the Whitecaps used to, I know it's hard to remember, but the Whitecaps used to be contenders. It used to be fun with them, Portland, Seattle, all three really good in Cascadia, making runs for it, and that was the big thing, right? Who's going to be the first Cascadia team to win MLS Cup? And the Whitecaps were right up there. Obviously, Portland turned out to be the one to win it in 2015, beating Columbus. But the Whitecaps were good at some point. Um, you know, Pedro Morales, Eric Hurtado, which we might talk about him later, uh, Kikutamane, um, Freddie Montero was on there, David O said. So it was a solid roster, and they were contenders. And now it hasn't felt like it's been like that in a while. So the Whitecaps, not looking good. I will say this, now that I've pulled their schedule up in front of me, if Dos Santos can't get more than three points over the next five games, which is to end the month, he's definitely gone. Because the schedule is not kind, even though four of those games are home games. That doesn't matter for them because they're stuck. Although I know some teams are coming back. Is that for sure? Okay. (laughs) This is complicated. Uh, I can only speak for Toronto FC, but there are dozens of rumors at this point uh, that they're aiming for this weekend to play in Toronto. Um, Montreal, I think, I don't think they're going to be able to play this weekend, but we're like a week or two away from home games for Canadian MLS teams. Because at this point, the government can't say no when they let the Montreal Canadiens travel over the border for weeks to play in the NHL playoffs in indoor settings with fans. So I think it's very, very, very close potentially this weekend that we see games played by Canadian teams on Canadian soil. What's the fan situation looking like? Has that been talked about at all in Canada? I haven't seen in other places, but Toronto, the number I keep seeing is 15,000 because it's outdoor in Toronto. So I don't know what BC place would be. Uh, If they open the roof, maybe it's... They can have more people. That's a weird one, isn't it? It's like uh-huh. kind of outdoor, kind of not, because they have that big, it looks like a curtain for yeah, a good stadium. Yeah, it like peels back like a, a good banana. stadium. Exactly. It's the banana Sanko? stadium. <laughs> That's what the B and BC place means. Holy crap. Oh, my gosh. Oh, God. Okay. Banana Columbia. Uh, just, all right, let's <laughs> oh stop that. Oh, my God. Uh, but it's the same sort of conversation that they're having right now about Toronto Blue Jays. Because the Rogers Center is, it can open the roof. So is it an indoor stadium or is it an outdoor stadium? Which massively influences how many tickets they can sell. If it's indoor, they can only sell 1,000 tickets. If it's outdoor, they can sell like 15,000. So a lot of question marks, but we're very, very close is the moral of the story to Canadian teams playing on Canadian soil against American opponents as long as they're vaccinated will get into Eric Hurtado. Well, as news continues to happen with players leaving, yeah, it's a big, pretty big news drop. Uh, Leafs Cup is back. This came out of nowhere. Josh, you will forever be the person who told me this. I didn't see the news, but Leafs Cup is back. Um, there's a couple MLS Cup, MLS teams competing like it was before. Sporty Kansas City, Orlando, Seattle, NYCFC uh, competing on the MLS side, going against Tigres, Pumas, Santos, Laguna, and Chivas slash Leon. What's that situation? Are they trying to figure out who that fourth team is right now? It depends on the result of their Campeón de Campeones, which happens July 17th. I think that's this Saturday, which is the winner of the Clausura and the winner of the Apertura. 
they play each other and then that becomes the campeon de campeones. So depending on that result, I can't remember the exact details that will, that will then uh, make it known whether it's Chivas or Leon that's playing. All right. Uh, I don't have many thoughts on this simply because I don't care. Um, it's not very complicated, but I think it's good that they're holding games like this. Uh, it means we're getting back to normal even more. Or I want early predictions, even though we don't know who every team is yet. Um, who do you think wins this league's cup? It's just really stupid. And we won't get into that, but out of SKC, Orlando, Seattle, NYCFC, Tigres, Pumas, Santos, Laguna, Chivas slash Leon, whoever wins out of that. Who wins League's Cup? Call it right now. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a League MX team. I mean, I don't. I just don't know which one. Uh, I'll say Tigres. I'll just go ahead and say Tigres. I do want to add one thing. I'm actually really excited for this only because of the MLS teams that are competing. So, I mean, these are like solid teams. These are teams that are kind of at the top of the table in the East and the West. Whereas if you look at the CCL teams from this year, and you've got losers like Atlanta United and Toronto FC. This is immediately a much more entertaining international competition in my mind. Also, the MLS teams are going to be like in season. They will be fit. They will be pretty much ready, especially compared to CCL. Whereas the Mexican teams, they will have been playing at that point, but they'll still be somewhat early in their season, especially in August. So we could see we could see some good games here you know i'm actually a little excited about this i'm i'm talking myself into enjoying this even though you're right it is really stupid and it's obviously a money grab <laughs> <laughs> i cannot wait for the mexican fans to use the oh they're still in preseason form excuse for when mls teams beat them it is going to be just chef's kiss oh that's going to be so nice Drew, what do you think about League's Cup? Who do you think is going to win? Who do you think is going to win out of all these teams? Who do I think is going to win? I'm going to jump on the MLS bandwagon. I'm going to prepare myself for heartbreak again. <laughs> and I am going to say NYCFC. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. What? That is Come the last teams. team I would have picked out of those four. <laughs> They're it's not going to win a happen. single game. It's why it's going to happen. They're not going to win a single game. It makes I'm no sense. I'm about that. It makes no sense, just like it made no sense that Toronto beat the Revs this past weekend, which we'll talk about more. It makes no sense at all. Seattle is going to do the opposite of what they've done in the past. They're going to start strong, and they're going to crumble their way into the playoffs. And NYCFC is going to do it. No reasoning why. I just think they're going to do it. Connor, who do you think is going to do it? I will say Seattle. Because I think that's the best team. That's a cop-out answer. Yes, I know. I think that's actually a bold prediction. Why? Because I think that Seattle will still be undefeated at that point. And so they're only going to play like reserve players because they're just going to say, we want to stay undefeated. We don't care about League's Cup. And so that therefore makes Connor's prediction of Seattle winning an extremely bold prediction. Galaxy brain didn't even know it. Is Seattle ever going to lose? That's another question. I, I don't think it's time to start talking about it yet. Like I've seen some people like throw around the Invincibles title, but like we have to remember that we're only so many games into the season. Like just because it feels like we're at a midway point doesn't mean we're actually at a midway point. And it's freaking MLS, so there's like no way. 
If there's any league where it was impossible to have an undefeated season, it would be MLS. They're going to lose to Vancouver. See? <laughs> it, it could very well right? happen. Okay. Next five, next five games, because they have five more games before they play Tigres in the first match. They play Minnesota. I put money on them to win. So that's how confident and, I am. About- and they could only get draws. They don't have to win all these games. Exactly. I Yeah. Austin, another should be easy win. Sporting KC, will be a little difficult. A little difficult, but potentially. San Jose, flip a coin, you're either getting prime Barcelona or you're getting 2016. Seattle knows how to destroy San Jose, though. They're like the anti-San Jose. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm not going to say anything because San Jose is just the biggest wild card in MLS. Um, and it is MLS. <laughs> it is also MLS. Saying something. Is, is that a midweek game, by the way? Can you just by looking at the date? July you know? thirty, July thirty first. No, it's oh, no, a, Saturday. a Saturday. Okay, then Seattle's definitely got that one. <laughs> and finally, August fourth. So this will be, I guess, midweek. FC Dallas. That could be a trap game. That's 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 where they fall. I'm calling it right now. That's where they fall. And after that, they, oh, after the Tigres game, they got Portland five days later. So, Who the heck knows what you're going to get with Portland? Yeah, uh, that's a good point, Josh. Uh, I'm second-guessing myself, but I'll stick with <laughs> Se- uh, Seattle. No, 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 you got to go with it because, like I said, man, it could end up being extremely bold. Or then you can follow oh, yeah, on the no. excuse and say, ah, it's just reserve players. Yeah, it's, I'm sticking with my guns. Uh, I'm sticking to my guns. Sticking with my guns. I'm an idiot. Uh, final question I want to ask you guys because we're getting closer to f- vaccinations and fully vaccinated. This game's p- being played in Nevada, so take that into consideration. Will the stadium be sold out? 65,000 capacity. Do you think this is popular enough to attract 65,000 people? How many do you estimate will be at the League's Cup final, the hot-selling League's Cup final between, insert two teams? I think it will possibly be, I'm going to say it will be full, just because of the League MX team that could come out. Because I think it's a, it's a literal stat that League MX is the most popular league in the U.S. And Las Vegas is I'm pretty sure has a pretty high Hispanic population. But yeah, I think if Tigres is in that final, those they're going to pack it out because I'm not... Those guys, those fans don't get to see Tigres every week. They're not playing in that stadium all the time. And that new stadium looks like it's going to be awesome for Raider games. So I think it will be full just because of the League MX team that's going to play. It's a plus if Seattle's there because they might be the closest to Vegas. I don't know where SKC is in that geography. But I think Seattle's closer. I don't know. But yeah, depending on which League MX team, honestly, I think it's going to be full regardless just because that League MX team is going to bring a ton of fans, both for Mexico fans making the travel and just Mexican fans of the team that live in Las Vegas and finally get to see their favorite club team play. So I think it's going to be full. I can't wait to see it. That stadium looks awesome. It's going to be sick for soccer. And I think League MX fans are going to go wild when their team gets to show up. Josh, do you think it's going to be a packed house in Vegas? The only way it's not a completely sold-out match is if there are two MLS teams in it. That's the only way. 
If, like Drew said, if there's at least one Liga MX team, and especially if there's two, that's it. Game over. The stadium is packed. Like, like Drew said, most popular league here in the States. Uh, you know, every time I've been to a Atlanta United Champions League game against a Mexican opponent, which, okay, it was only once, but in that one time, like, you could just tell, like, there were so many Monterey fans um, when I went, and then... You could tell when they played Club America and Campeones Cup a couple years ago. Tons of Mexican fans there, especially like Drew said, they don't get to see their teams that often being in another country. So it's a good opportunity for them. So yeah, if unless there's two MLS teams, if it's Orlando and NYCFC, oh man, yeah, we're we're gonna see like only the bottom level fill down, <laughs> maybe that much. It'll be a throwback to MLS's old days. I this just all I'm gonna say is everything you just said adds even more credence to my belief that Liga MX and MLS should join together in a partnered league. But that is not a discussion for this podcast. That'll be like December. Um, Let's shift from League's Cup because we've been going for 32 minutes and we're barely through not even half of what we want to talk about. Uh, Hopefully this is shorter. But Inter-Miami owners are looking to sell their stake, specifically my uh, Marcelo Claure and Masayoshi Sun uh, are looking to sell reportedly a significant number of shares in Inner Miami. And of course, Jorge Mas is interested in purchasing them. Uh, what do you guys think is going to happen on that front? And why do you think they're trying to sell? Do you think it's related to how terrible Inner Miami have been? Or do you think there's other factors here? I think it definitely has to do with the way this things have gone for this club. I mean, honestly, you can look back now with like really good hindsight, you know, hindsight's 2020. Uh, but Miami have been a dumpster fire since the beginning, if we're really being honest about this. So yeah, I think that absolutely has to do with that. I think these, um, you know, minority owners realize that these sanctions uh, as well that have been passed down, it's going to be hard for Miami to dig out of this hole over the next couple of years. You've got really old aging DPs and you're not going to be able to sign the bottom half of your roster out really well. So yeah, I, this probably seems like the best time to jump ship for them. And I, I can't blame them. Yeah. I'm on the same boat with you, Josh. It's just been a rough stretch for Miami and this feels like just an effect of it. Um, nothing really seems to be going good for the club right now. And it just feels like this is the, some owners saying we want out and like you said, can't really be mad at them for it. Um, but yeah, I think this is a direct result of the club just not having the best time in MLS and doesn't look like it'll get better anytime soon. All right. Other inner Miami news. Uh, they've signed 20 year old midfielder, Indiana Vasilev on loan from Aston Villa. What can you guys tell me about, uh, Vasilev? Where does he play? How much pedigree is he? Uh, Josh, you're the only person who probably knows anything about him. So tell us who Indiana Vasilev is. Yeah, he, um, he's been with Aston Villa for a long time. He actually came up kind of in their, in their academy. Uh, he's from Savannah though, from Savannah, Georgia. So another fellow Georgian. Um, but he actually made an appearance with the first team. I think maybe a couple appearances for them in the premier league back in the 2019, 2020 season. So pre pandemic, Since then, 
He hasn't done anything for them. I don't even think he's seen the field, which is unfortunate because Aston Villa definitely like improved this past season. They looked a lot better, uh, but he couldn't find his way onto the field. So I think this is smart for Inter-Miami. I think this is a smart signing from Chris Henderson. You can tell that he's probably got his hands on this. Uh, so especially signing him on loan, right? This is kind of like a flyer and it's an American. So you don't even have to worry about um, any roster spots or anything like that, international roster spots. So I think it's a smart move for them. How long is the loan? It said season long, but I don't know if that means like MLS season long, like just till the end of the year, or if it means full EPL season. I, I think that's what it is. Uh, so just I'll the, ass, I'd assume MLS season. So you think he'll go back in the winter? Yeah, like why would they keep him in the winter? That seems pointless. They could want to extend the loan. I don't know. I didn't see like a buy option or anything at the end, but they True. could want to purchase him at the very end of it, depending on a full season. True. Drew, do you know anything about this guy, and what do you think about the loan? Uh, he's 20 years old, so hopefully that'll help counteract the aging DP problem. Um, but it's exciting. 20-year-old from the Premier League. Uh, we'll see how it goes. And, yeah, exciting. Don't really know a whole lot about him, except he played in the Premier League. And he's really young. And Qatar just scored. Holy crap. Ugh. Dang it. What's the score? Is it 1-0? Huh? 1-0, oh, yeah. yeah. What time? Jeez. 49th minute. Uh, I put I put money on Panama for our listeners. I'm not just like a massive Panama fan. Who would I suggest, Drew? Who would I suggest you, you put money hey, on? Hey, there's... Good, shut up, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Josh recommended Qatar. Which, why is Qatar in this in the first place? That's, I should get my money back, just because what the heck. That's exactly because Qatar, why you just answered it. <laughs> yeah, Qatar is just joining every international tournament they can at this point. Weren't money. they in the Copa America? It's all about that money. That exactly. sweet Qatar Airways sponsorship. Akram Afif scored for Qatar. I don't know. I... You guys I couldn't don't tell know you. him? Oh my gosh. No, I, say, I, don't, I don't know that I know any Qatari players. Hey, they I'm are the Asian champions, through. by the way, though, so it's not like they're scrubs, you know? I wish you told me that before I put a dollar on Panama, you jerk. <laughs> True. Uh, let's wrap up the Inter-Miami talk, because we have been going for quite a while, and Josh needs to get more water, because he spilled all of it. <laughs> um, Karen Dyer. Well, not Karen Dyer. That would... No. Uh, that would be a much bigger deal. Karen Gibbs and Nick Marks Marsman Marsman have arrived in Miami for the rest of the season. Uh, Gibbs, obviously a 35 or something year old left back who's well past his prime and Marsman. I'm sure Josh will tell us about. So Josh, how big is this for Miami? How much of an influence are they going to have on the rest of Miami's season? What can we sort of expect from Gibbs and Marsman? Uh, so, Contrary to what Connor said, I don't actually know much uh, about these guys. Uh, I wish I did. Marsman is um, Dutch, but he is a little bit older. He is now 31 years old. I guess that's not bad for a goalkeeper. Um, I just think it's funny. I saw someone label these guys as reinforcements, which kind of reads as what are they reinforcing a bad team? Like they're making a bad team that much worse or they're making a bad team stay bad, you know? (laughs) So (laughs) I thought it was funny that they were labeled as reinforcements for the summer. So I don't know that. Okay. It looks like Panama just based on (laughs) Drew's reaction. Um, yeah, yeah. Reinforcements is a funny label for this. I don't really know what they can bring to the team, but Moving on really quickly. So I just mentioned Monterey a couple minutes ago, and that was probably big news this week. I wish it had been 
bigger news because this is like a big deal. Nashville SC just signed a new forward, a 23-year-old forward. Connor, I'm just kidding. Drew, since you <laughs> yeah, no. are in Nashville, <laughs> how, be I wanna, careful. Don't get yourself in trouble. Is I all will, I will say I before you start. to tell us anything we don't already know. I just want to know what's the excitement been around um, this new signing, and can you tell us who he is and more about him? Yeah, so he is 23 year old from Monterey. Um, there has been some rumor about him coming to the team for a while as <laughs> someone. What is Connor? Oh, I knew, Connor's telling me Connor to look at I knew as soon as you turned your head away from the microphone. I was trying to see who scored for Panama. Rolando Blackburn. My new He's best done it friend. three times already. Rolando, I'm watching the All-Star game. I'm trying to watch Shohei Otani hit bombs. I'm trying to watch the Panama Qatar game. It's a whole big mess. But, yeah, so um, what are we talking about? Akeloba. Akeloba, he, yeah, I came from Monterey. He's 23. He's a forward. Um, there have been some speculation about him coming to the team for a while as someone who watches the social media feed quite closely as it is part of my job, I get to see those wonderful announced Loba mentions that everyone does. And those are always fun. Um, but yeah, so they made that official uh, club record, 6.8 million. And yeah, I think pretty excited. Uh, fans are pretty pumped to see this guy because anytime you spend that much money on a player, you want to see him really succeed. And I think Nashville had tried to get him before and Monterey beat him to it, um, so now it finally looks like Nashville got their guy. Um, yeah, obviously, people are really excited because Nashville, just looking at their results as of late, um, they're unbeaten at home. They don't have a lot of losses. I think they only have that one loss to the Red Bulls, if I'm remembering that correctly. So they're not losing, but they're not winning is part of the big problem, and it, people are really hoping that Loba kind of puts them over the edge because, as we might talk about later, this last result, uh, another draw at home. They're unbeaten at home, but it was a draw that very much the team felt like they should have won. Gary Smith, the manager, has been pretty outspoken that he wants to win these games. Yes, they're unbeaten at home, but they want to get three points, and he feels like they've dropped points throughout the season, conceding late, conceding to teams on the road that had, and not scoring on 10-man teams at Nissan Stadium. So Nashville trying to become one of those consistent contenders as they made a nice little run in their expansion season in the playoffs. And I think people are just hoping that RK Loba kind of puts them over the edge. Um, but uh, as I get another problem, I'm notification. Hold on, fellas. Hold on, fellas. Qatar scored again. Oh Dang it. Okay, whatever. Yeah, um, but staying in the Southeast, um, another team that is on its way, Charlotte FC. Uh, announced the signing of their first ever manager and their first ever assistant manager, Miguel Angel, Miguel Angel Ramirez, is the head coach. Um, he most recently managed Internacional in Brazil. And uh, their assistant manager, Christian Latanzio, uh, is the assistant manager. He reportedly turned down an assistant position under Patrick Vieira at Crystal Palace, um, which that was made official not that long ago. I don't think we talked about it, but Patrick Vieira is at Crystal Palace. Um, but he was Vieira's assistant at NYCFC. So Charlotte FC making some moves, getting ready for their first season in Major League Soccer. Um, but Josh, as Charlotte FC gets ready for this, the Southeast is getting another team. They're trying to make some noise in a market that's pretty crowded right now with Orlando City being really good. Um, Atlanta, people still think that Atlanta's good, but not really. Nashville making some noise in Tennessee. So Charlotte trying to make their mark in the Southeast. But what do you think about Charlotte's uh, new signing for their manager and assistant manager? Are you pretty excited, by the way, in the direction Charlotte FC is going so far? I don't know what to make of uh, Ramirez as 
as head coach, you know, as manager, uh, just because I don't really know much about him. And it's interesting. I was looking up kind of what his coaching tenure is and he never played, or at least he's not listed as a player in his Wikipedia page. Uh, so maybe I need to do more research on that, but it's odd, you know, you're so used to seeing a manager and you see their, their managing career, but then you also see their playing career, you know, right above that. So I was a little surprised at that. Um, but I am extremely excited for Latanzio coming back to MLS because it's, you know, this is going to be a guy that can really help Ramirez get going. Someone who understands the league, understands, you know, the little idiosyncrasies that come with being in MLS, whether it comes to travel or, you know, player management or even a little bit of roster building maybe. Um, and the fact that, you know, he could have stayed with Vieira, a guy that he's coached under for the last, you know, four or five years could have stayed with him in the English Premier League of all places. I mean, this is kind of a big deal that he's decided to come to North Carolina instead of <laughs> instead of the EPL. So I'm really excited to see what Latanzio can do. And, you know, who knows? Maybe this could end up being like the make or break decision for Charlotte. I think just looking at other expansion teams in the South, as Drew mentioned, Atlanta, Nashville, I think we can throw Miami in there, uh, even Orlando a little bit. Your coaching hire as an expansion team is an extremely important decision because Tata helped get things right in Atlanta. Gary Smith has helped lay a plan and a foundation and get things right in Nashville. But Inter Miami's first coach, he's already gone. Orlando's first coach, he only made it a season or two as well. Jason Christ. So I think that and this we could won't be... talk about Cincinnati. <laughs> ah, they're not really in the South, but if you want to include them, yeah, they've obviously <laughs> been a merry-go-round of coaches. Um, so yeah, I. I'm excited by the potential in the signing, although we don't know much about it. Connor, I think we'll go ahead and move on, right? Unless you have anything to add to it. I think this Ramirez guy is good. I've thought I've saw good things on Twitter about him. That is where I will leave it because I know absolutely nothing about them. Uh, but I do know something about our next topic, uh, which I guess, you know what, I'll just take all of it because... Frankly, you two didn't put this in the rundown, and I'm very disappointed in you. Uh, I but, did see it. It just didn't didn't uh, click with me that I should put it in there, to be fair. That's even worse. That is even worse. But Vancouver is apparently back in the running to be a host city for uh, the World Cup in 2026. Now, it's not official yet, but according to BC's premier, um, Mark Hogan, I believe is his name, uh, Vancouver and BC's interested in funding it again. So we're at a point where after Quebec dropped out, uh, specifically Montreal, now we have the potential for what FIFA's really wanted this entire time in Toronto and Vancouver as host cities. Uh, we're obviously still not there 100%. We don't have guarantees that the Ontario government is going to fund it. Uh, I think even if they don't, MLSE will fund it because they have countless amounts of money. But again, you never know. Um, so I think this is great for Canada. This is great for the World Cup bid. It means that we will most likely definitely have games in Canada because I think for a little while there, we were sort of at a bit of a um, cliff's edge in terms of whether or not they could still play in Canada with teams having to pull or cities having to pull out due to funding, etc. Um, so 
that's huge, huge news for the World Cup bid, huge news for Canada, huge news for Vancouver, because they always should have been a host city. They're a great soccer uh, town, I guess. They have great soccer fan base. BC Place is one of the best stadiums in Canada. Uh, they just need to put in real grass, but again, another debate for another time. Uh, but I'm very excited. I think this is really good, even though it would have benefited me even more as a Toronto resident if it had only been in Toronto. But again, who cares? Josh, you saw it. Drew, I have no idea if you did. You're at on a high right now because Panama's tied it up. What? Let's start with you. We'll give Josh time to catch his breath after running away for a little bit. But <laughs> Drew, what do you think about this Vancouver news? How big do you think this is for the World Cup bid? And do you think they will actually follow through? Or do you think this was sort of a ploy by uh, Premier Hogan? Yeah, I hope, like you said, I hope Vancouver gets it. Um, they hosted the 2015 Women's World Cup final, and that seemed to be a massive success. They hosted the 2012 Olympics, if I'm correct. The 2012 Winter 2010. Olympics. 2010. 2010 Winter yeah. Olympics. 2012 God. was London. Are you, yeah. are you sure it was Vancouver? 2015? Yeah, it's when yeah. Carly Lloyd scored like three goals in that one from half I thought court. that was it. I thought that was in Edmonton. Half court? I thought it was the BC. You get the idea. I'm pretty sure it was in Edmonton. Well, Connor might be fact-checking me, but they definitely hosted some games in the tournament, so that's the important part. So they've hosted big events, the city has. Um, It's a very diverse city, and they would go absolutely nuts for a World Cup game, whether it be a group stage game, knockout stage, whatever. And like you said, it's good for Canada as they try to get some games in Canada for the tournament, try to get just not just the United States, but getting outside. Oh, no, you're right. It was in Vancouver. Sick. So Vancouver has hosted some pretty big games, and I think they could do it again. I'm super pumped about it. I hope they do. Like we've talked about, BC plays a lot this episode. It's an awesome stadium. The fans are great. Um, Yeah, I hope they get it. It's a good city. It's hosted big events before, and there's no reason I think that they couldn't pull off a World Cup. So hopefully they keep it going, hold it through, and eventually Vancouver will get to see a World Cup game in 2026. Josh, what do you think about another Canadian city possibly getting it on the bid? Yeah, super exciting. It's increasingly felt like it's just becoming a u.s world cup the fact that there were so few mexican and canadian cities in the first place um even though it was presented as like this three country hosting bid or whatever so yeah the more canadian cities that get involved the better i think um especially as far as the bid itself goes and and what it's being presented as to the world so definitely a, a very nice um development in that but i don't think we have anything to add to that so we are going to take a quick ad break and when we come back we'll talk about some mls games from this past week and we'll get into our goal of the week player of the week and game to watch for this upcoming weekend and we are back to talk some mls games and goals of the week and things of that nature and we're going to start with uh not really a fun one for my uh one of my fandoms but a really fun one for Connor's only fandom, as out of nowhere, this game makes absolutely no sense. This league makes absolutely no sense. Don't watch it because it doesn't make any sense. Just kidding, watch it because it doesn't make any sense. It's a crap show every week and it's awesome. Out of nowhere, Toronto FC beats New England 3-2 to a week. The first game without Chris Armas. Chris Armas was fired and we are very excited to hear Connor's thoughts on that. <laughs> but Toronto beats New England 3-2 to out of nowhere. Toronto... In a terrible situation, New England riding high, first in the East, 
bad and over Toronto beats the first team in the East three to two. Connor, you weren't with us last episode, so if you could somehow encapsulate this wild roller coaster of emotions you've been on between losing seven to one, losing the manager, and now beating the best team in the Eastern Conference, what is this? stretch of time been like what was it like to see Toronto beat New England and what are your thoughts on Armis finally leaving Toronto because we've known how you felt about it for a while but it finally happened so what what has life been like as a Toronto FC fan in this whirlwind of a time that is a very good question um I was at my cottage for all of this so I wasn't here um connected to wi-fi 24 7 i I had to turn my dad on every once in a while to sort of get updates and stuff. Um, but when I saw, when I saw we lost seven to one to DC Saturday night, I said to my family, cause we were, went out for dinner in uh, this sort of town close to our cottage. I said, if he isn't gone by the weekend, I'm going to be livid. Next day he gets sacked. And I want to start off by saying this is not a personal attack on Armist or anything of that nature. Um, I It's terrible whenever somebody loses a job. It's an unfair business, but as Ellie Curtis said multiple times, it is a business that's based on results, and Chris Armist just didn't have those results. He had a pretty good start, very good start, beating Leon uh, in the Champions league and i think everybody was very excited but since then it felt like he lost the locker room um it felt like players were really frustrated it felt like he it felt like he didn't listen to anybody it was sort of armist or nobody and i think it sort of grew on the players and it grew on the coaching staff and it grew on everybody else um to the point where it reached a breaking point. Um, and I think the fact that Josie is now back with Toronto FC, basically like 100% guaranteed, it says a lot. What I wanted to say, though, and maybe this sparks a bit more of a discussion, I'm surprised Ellie Curtis didn't get fired too. I've spoken to some people uh, mm-hmm. who've said the same thing. Uh one person in particular said the same thing to me. Uh, I think that was sort of a fan sentiment as well, that they were sort of surprised Curtis didn't get fired as well because this hire was that catastrophic. We went from, or not we, I don't like saying we, Toronto FC went from being second in the supporter shield race to dead last in the league, with the only change being him. And I think that's a real bad indictment when the literal next game, one of your assistants takes over and he looks like the second coming of Pep Guardiola. Like, you beat the best team in the East. So, we'll see what Javier Perez can do. I'm excited to see what he can do because off of, like, two days' work, he was able to make Toronto FC look that good. Uh, But, again, like... It was time with Armis. I'd said it was time since the international break. And I hate to say it, but I'm glad he's gone because he just didn't fit this team, period. Um, 
And that's sort of the bottom line of it. And I know there were some Armist supporters, but it just, the results weren't there. He didn't have the locker room. It just wasn't going to work out. And if Ali Curtis doesn't hire the right guy next, he's going to be probably in the same place Chris Armis is. Um, because I think he's on the hot seat right now. But I want to know, before we talk about the New England game, as I sort of hinted to, what were your guys' thoughts on the Armist firing? I heard a little bit on the last episode, um, but after what I said, maybe more related to the Curtis stuff, what do you think about the whole Toronto FC situation? How much, how bright do you think their outlook is? Do you think they still have a shot at making the playoffs? I definitely think they have a shot at making the playoffs. I am surprised at your Ali Curtis sentiments, uh, or more so you pointing them out from the fans. Um, and, to, and I thought it was interesting. You talk about it being, you know, so cra- catastrophic of a hire. And I kind of agree with that. Like in the sense that it's very obvious that Armis is Curtis's guy. And that totally falls on Curtis's shoulders. But on the other side of things, like, they've brought in good players. The, the roster is built well. Therefore, I think Curtis should be given the chance to right that ship. And so whoever he brings in next, you know, if it's successful, then people are going to forget about this, hopefully. Um, and hopefully yeah. they've fired Armis early enough in the season to where they can at least make the playoffs because you know this team is talented enough to maybe go on a run. You never know. So I am a little surprised that the wanting Curtis gone, although I totally understand with how bad this, uh, we'll call it the Armis experiment, uh, experiment with how bad this experiment has been. I, I can totally understand why fans feel that way. I will say from talking to a source, he is on the hot seat, um, as Drew's headphones fall off because I assume Panama just got a penalty point to the spot ref. Let's go. What's the score now? It's 3-2. Three, two. Three, two. Three, two. 75th minute. If they VAR this, I'm leaving the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know Arlie Curtis was on the hot seat, and I will say this about the next coaching hire. It's not going to be the cheap one. They're going to spend some big money on this. Uh, and I will leave it at that. I think this is going to be a big hire. If... Javier Perez continues to do what he does against New England. As a, somebody I was talking to said to me, is this guy the second coming of Pep Guardiola? Because what the hell? <laughs> this team should not have played that well against New England. What the hell? That didn't make sense. They were passing that ball like they were literally Manchester City. That was unbelievable. I couldn't believe the performance. The defensive issues are still there. But when you consider he had literally two days to figure everything out as Drew covers his face because I assume Panama missed it. Um, Even worse, VAR. (laughs) Oh, that's great. That is fantastic. Gotta love VAR. Um, But I... I'm optimistic with Javier Perez. I think having the 10 days to work with this team is going to be huge. We'll see what he can do without the Gold Cup players because I don't believe they'll be available, um, which is like Richard Larea, Ayala Canola, Jonathan Osorio, um, Nick DeLeon because 
he's an anti-vaxxer and another Toronto FC player because they only have their first dose, according to uh, Toronto Sun reporter who at Beezer Sun, I think, is his ad on Twitter, Steve Buffery. Um, but that was a great game. Did either of you watch Toronto versus New England? I did not. I, I did not. What day of the week was that game? Was that a Wednesday night or Thursday night game? It was Wednesday night, wasn't it? Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. I feel like I, I think I might have been working, um, so that's why I didn't watch it. I feel like I had something going on, but yeah, I, I was following along in terms of all the scoring and the crazy scoring, but uh, no, I didn't get a chance to watch. Unfortunate. You missed a good game. <laughs> you missed Jefferson Satelda looking good. Um, as Drew celebrates again, yeah, they, they upheld the. Uh, they upheld it is the a call. All right, good for Panama. Now we'll see if they can score. He's shaking this. This there's no way this is going in. <laughs> Let's we'll get the live reaction. We'll get the live reaction. Yeah, we're we... also gonna find out who is uh, ahead in their stream, whatever it is. Um, so... Yeah, I'm not gonna look at you guys when this happens. <laughs> I actually, Drew, uh, I'm going to distract you while you're watching this because I'm a terrible person. What is the one lesson you learned from this game? Well, both games. uh, Never bet on MLS kids because it makes no (laughs) sense. It's so stupid. And so is the Gold Cup, apparently, as I get ready for my heart to be broken. But it's crazy. It's a crazy league. It makes no sense at all. And who knows? Like you said, assistant coach, um, he's been in the system for a while and he coached the team to that win and as Josh and I can attest you get an assistant coach with a talented team and you never know what can happen and we'll see what happens but it's a good start for Toronto and I'm excited to see because like Josh said this is a talented team with really good players um, with Pesuelo, Sotelo and we will see what happens but I'm excited for it Perfect. Um, like you said I think they could Josh spoiled it oh you jerk let's go <laughs> Josh, you're so mean. Come on, fellas. <laughs> All right, I need one goal in 12 minutes, and it can't be by Qatar. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited to see where Toronto goes. I think they can make the playoffs. Talented team. You get a good coach, and you never know what can happens can happen. But um, if we are done talking about the crap show that is Toronto FC, turn, crap show turn, maybe something awesome. Uh, we can go to another crap show, maybe turning something awesome. Chicago beating Orlando three. They're to not one. turning into something awesome. I will. No. <laughs> hey man, you never that's know. That's right. No, no, you never no, know, no, man. No, this new no, logo. No, no, no new logo. No. You're beating a good team three one. Winners no. of two straight, undefeated in three. They're six points below the playoff line. Another never bet on MLS kids, because once again I bet on Orlando and didn't happen. But Josh, I think we know what Connor's thoughts are. But Chicago turning around. <laughs> Can Chicago make the playoffs? Because it's been a bright stretch. Granted, one of those wins was against Atlanta United, which is not really that much right now. But they beat a really good team, Orlando 3-1. Granted, I think Orlando might have been missing some players. I know Gaysa was in Copa America with Peru. Um, But what do you think about Chicago's win against Orlando? Can they make the playoffs? No, they have no chance. I still think Vicky gets fired uh, by the end of the season. Uh, I don't think he's going to make it. Um, I think this is kind of like smoke and mirrors. It's just like, like Chicago have decent players. Um, but like Drew's kind of alluding to, I mean, they, this is kind of an easy schedule, uh, a stretch of schedule, I should say for them, uh, getting that win over Atlanta, maybe taking advantage of Gaese missing. Although I do still think that beating down Orlando like that is 
really impressive in its own way. That being said, it was just a midweek game, so it could be some of that midweek magic we get in MLS where you know crazy things happen. Um, so I don't know how much of this is concrete and how much of it you can, you know, really build off of how much we can take away from a game like this. But you never know. That's seven points in three games now for Chicago. Two wins in their last three. Definitely making some progress, if anything. But that is about all you can say about Chicago at this point, I think. Yeah, they're not very good. I'm just going to say that. Um, They beat Atlanta, which not really an accomplishment, no offense, and Orlando, which is an accomplishment. Um, But they drew Cincinnati. If they were legit, they would have beat Cincinnati. The problem is... Wait, no, I'm sorry. They lost to Cincinnati. Oops. Oh, they can't make the playoffs. That's not allowed. That needs to be the rule. If you don't beat Cincinnati, you're not allowed to make the playoffs. Now, hold on. They drew Philadelphia 3-3, then beat Atlanta 3-0, then beat Orlando 3-1. So that's a lot of goals. Drew, you need to watch your language, first of all. No, that's my take. If you don't beat Cincinnati, you can't make the playoffs. Dude, stop, because Atlanta plays Cincinnati in like a couple weeks, and when we lose... (laughs) (laughs) Bro, they can't make the... uh, They shouldn't make the playoffs anyway. That's, That's my new take. Because I think we have the playoffs are too big. If you can't beat Cincinnati, you should make the playoffs. Here's my hot take. Cincinnati aren't as bad as we think they were, and their offense is starting to figure things out. So it's we'll see. Take. But I'm, we're going to talk about Cincinnati in a second, I think, because they pulled off a pretty impressive performance as well. Uh, but with Chicago, like you look at their team. They got Barrich. They got Brian Gutierrez. Frankowski. Gaston Jimenez, like, you, I can recognize, like, five of these guys' names. They're not very good. They sold, like, their best player over the offseason and then never replaced him. Like, I understand they be, they played well and they are technically 12th of the East ahead of Inter-Miami and... Toronto FC, (laughs) but come on, guys. Come on. Holy cow. I didn't realize Toronto's goal differential was that bad. Well, when you lose by six. That is true. Almost still worse than Vancouver. Oh, yay. Uh, I Look, there's no way. There is no way Chicago make the playoffs. They're not good enough. They don't have a good enough team. Their manager isn't very good. There is not a chance. Period. Well, we will certainly find out as the season progresses. Um, but moving on, uh, just as I think it was Drew that just mentioned uh, Cincinnati, as we've I guess we've just been talking about Cincinnati, uh, they were part of a pair of 2-2 draws that happened this week, uh, one on Friday night, their game against Columbus. They drew Columbus 2-2 at home. Um, and the other 2-2 draw <clears throat> this week being Nashville drawing Atlanta 2-2 at home. Let's start with the Cincinnati-Columbus game. Cincinnati, uh, as Connor kind of mentioned, starting to figure out their attack a little bit. They got two goals in the first 25 minutes. And then just to top it all off in this hell is real derby, Columbus got a red card in the 42nd minute. And so Cincinnati's up 2-0 in the first <laughs> half alone. <laughs> 
along with this, along this red Sorry. card. Yeah, Drew's distracting the heck. We need, we need video one of these days because Drew's reactions to this game are top notch. You'd think he'd bet like 150 bucks on it. He's bet a dollar. <laughs> oh my goodness. This guy looks like Giazzi Zardes, number 17. Oh my gosh. Meanwhile, Giannis yeah. is coming on. Oh god. That is how that's that's the that's the dude's name. It's just spelled differently. Uh anyway. you make your free throws, Giannis. So so Cincinnati goes up two nothing in the first half. Columbus ends up coming back, drawing two two down a man. Uh Columbus Porter was kind of uh kind of messing Columbus with the Cincinnati Porter. fan. Sorry. <laughs> Caleb Porter. That's a new one. My bad. Caleb Porter. He may as well be called Columbus Porter. I mean, he is. He's yeah, the Columbus why not? Manager. Anyway, Caleb Porter. Caleb Porter was uh, kind of taunting, messing with the Cincinnati fans, like celebrating the heck out of a 2-2 draw. Um, definitely trolling. So that was a fun part of this game. Connor, I'm going to throw it back to you since you seem so eager to defend Cincinnati. Uh, they are unbeaten in their last four. You kind of said this, but are we starting to see some progress with Cincinnati? The fact that they're unbeaten in four in a row is a big deal, but also that they are kind of starting to score. Uh, they got a win in there. So do you think Cincinnati's turning it around? It's tough. I think they're good offensively. I think the Acosta thing, I think he's figuring it out. You know, he's playing well. Um, the teams that they've beat, they tied against Houston. They beat Cincinnati or they beat Toronto. They beat Chicago and they just tied Columbus on 10 men, but they just tied Columbus. They play Montreal this weekend. I think they're starting to kind of figure it out. Like we knew that they were never a good defensive team. That is very apparent. That's been an issue with them since they started, but I think they've now started to figure out the offense and they've brought in enough talent up front in Brenner, in Yaya Kubo, in Luciano Acosta, having, um, what's his name? I'm trying to see him. Where'd he go? Uh, He's not even on this list. What? Striker. Jürgen Lakadia. He is not when... They might be sorting things out. When you Google FC Cincinnati and click on players, Jurgen Lakadi does not come up. So that's interesting. Uh, but I think they're starting to figure it out offensively. Defensively, again, lots of issues. I think bringing in Kenneth Vermeer was a good addition. Having that sort of veteran presence in the back uh, I think is helpful. I still question the Jeff Cameron signing, but you know, I guess adding whatever defensive help you can at this point is helpful. Uh, but... I wouldn't count FC Cincinnati out. I could see them making the late push, uh, especially with some of the games they have left. Like after Montreal, they play Atlanta, Cincinnati, Nashville. (laughs) God, I've done that twice now. DC, Red Bull, Orlando, Montreal. Like they don't have the most difficult schedule. They don't play New England again for the rest of the season. They play Columbus once. They get TFC again, which we'll see if that's hard or not. Um, or they get TFC twice. Interesting. I wouldn't count them out. 
I think they can make a late push, and I think they're close enough to make a late push. It's just whether or not they're able to outscore their defensive efficiencies, which is a huge, huge question mark in my opinion. Drew, where do you stand on FC Cincinnati? Yeah, I think they're for sure making progress. The fact that they're unbeaten in their last four is a good stretch given what all they've had to go through in their short time in MLS. But I think you point out the biggest flaw in this team, Connor, is their defense. They have allowed 20 goals, and that is second worst in the East behind Toronto. But Toronto, <laughs> Toronto's allowed 29 goals the most in the league, but when you allow seven goals in a game, that's kind of rough. Um, but yeah, so Cincinnati, the question, right, is is their attack going to be clicking enough and consistent enough to be oh, to compensate for this defensive deficiency that you talk about? And it's really hard to ask your attackers to score multiple goals a game now when you hold, when you shut them out. It's really good. Um, but I think a late push is possible. I don't see this team really making a run in the playoffs because, I mean, you get one stretch of the attackers just aren't, it's not clicking. You have some bad luck, shots at the post, or you just have some games where the ball doesn't find the back of the net and the defense has consistently not been there. Um, it's hard to ask your attackers to put, bring in three or two goals a game. So I think they're making progress and Cincinnati fans should be excited, but it hasn't, the defense is the biggest concern. I don't think their attacking effort is good enough to make up for that defense, um, but we'll see what happens with that. Cincinnati, obviously, like I said, with all the stuff they've had to go through, it's an exciting time. Any progress is progress at this point. Interesting thing I just noticed when you're looking at the, when you brought up the whole goals against. Tied for third last in the East? New England Revolution. They've allowed 18 goals against so far this season. They've scored 22. So that might be something to look out for because how many one nothing two nothing two nothing games are you going to win that's uh, that's a very interesting trend and obviously very bottom of the league tfc second last tied san jose and vancouver so that sums those two teams up um but josh any thoughts on cincinnati do you think they can make the late push or do you think they're too far out or not good enough. I think they're too far out and they're not good enough. Uh, I mean, yeah, you definitely see progress and I, you know, they're experiencing a good run of form right now, but I don't know. I just, I'm not convinced by this team and the fact that they, you know, this game alone, the fact that they went up to nothing early up a man still conceded two goals in the second half. So, and this was at home. <laughs> so that's a pretty weak mentality if you ask me. So I don't know if, Cincinnati can overcome that you know there's still some root issues with this club and with this team that are gonna take a while to get over so we are seeing progress of course but not entirely convinced uh, but we're gonna move on to the other interesting 2-2 draw Nashville Atlanta uh, Drew you got to cover this game because it was in Nashville you got to follow it pretty closely watch it with your own eyes um, I tried to follow along at home um I can't remember. I think I was doing something else during it, but I had the game on. Uh, no, I was paying pretty much attention to the game until some questionable calls kind of had me scratching my head and going crazy and watching Atlanta players get injured left and right. But Drew, what'd you think about this game? Uh, I feel like, you know, Atlanta's in a tough spot because of injuries and international call-ups. So how would you say they did given that? But And of course, that stupid red card, which you can tell everybody what happened. And then with Nashville... 
Another draw, kind of iffy, especially after fighting their way back to go up 2-1. So what do you think for either of these teams, how this game went for them? Yeah, I think for sure, obviously, Atlanta is the happier of the two teams because, like you mentioned, Atlanta is in a worse situation between injuries and international call-ups. Nashville also has its call-ups. Walker Zimmerman was the United States. Uh, Alistair Johnson was with Canada. And I think... Anibal Godoy was with Panama, but he's hurt, so he isn't actually with Panama. But they were missing some players as well. Um, but yes, like you said, Atlanta with you know Brad Guzan, uh, <laughs> Brad Guzan, Miles Robinson, George Bello missing. It was a rough time for Atlanta, but they came out with a two-two draw. And that game, if you look at the stats, Atlanta only had two shots on goal, and both of those found the back of the net with Jackson Conway, and I totally forgot who scored the other. One. Anton Walks scored, so Atlanta came oh, Capitan. up. El Capitan, uh, Anton Walks got the goal. And then Jake Mulroney got a red card in the 74th minute, which was rightly rescinded, I think, today. Um, I think they meet on Thursday, Tuesdays, whatever. Um, the red card was rescinded, so he'll be available. Because if he wasn't available for the next match, they'd be in a lot of trouble. Because I think Santiago Sosa is suspended for that next match, and that's a whole different thing. But for this match specifically, Nashville is really disappointed. You look at the stats. Nashville had 17 shots, 8 on target, and two only two of them back, found the back of the net. And Atlanta had only two shots on target and scored both of them off set pieces. So Gary Smith was not very happy in that. You know, they're unbeaten at home. It's a point. But like you said, with this home stretch of games because, um, oh, gosh. Oh, God. Um, with this home stretch of games because they're sharing <laughs> okay, the stadium. You, we need context for why you're saying, Sorry. oh, God. Oh There's 30 God. seconds left in the game, and Qatar just got a corner kick. Probably should have scored They should have scored. They should have scored. I'm not going to get, they're going to draw, so I'm not going to get my money. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, Nashville's definitely disappointed in this result because this is a nice home stretch toward the latter end of the season because they share the stadium with the Titans. Um, they're playing a lot of these home games before football season starts. So with this stretch, it's important that you get wins. And right now, getting draws is not going to cut it when you're trying to make the playoffs. But like we said, Akai Loba, hopefully Nashville is hoping that that changes things be yeah, Nashville is disappointed in this result I think Atlanta's really happy because the call-ups the injuries they can get any points and just any this look at this is very character building draw I think for Atlanta and we'll see what happens but Nashville eventually they gotta start turning the page and getting wins out of this but Josh with everything that happened with Atlanta are you happy with them getting a point given all the injuries and international call-ups the team is going through first of all I still can't get over that red card I mean that is the stupidest call I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Jake Mulraney had a textbook tackle in which he poked the ball away with his foot. He did bring down the defender, so like I can see why the ref wanted to call it. But I mean, it was, was so it clearly the issue for you. Was it that was a red card or that was a foul at all? So you, do you think it was a foul at all? Uh, did it happen in the that didn't happen in the box, did it? No, it did not. No, it was just outside of the box. Okay, if you want to call it a foul, that's fine. But to call it a red, I think, was ridiculous because in this case, you're calling was was it being called a red for Dogso? I that's the thing because I didn't think it was red either because dang it, they drew crap. There is a dollar, dang it. Um, because Santiago Sosa was in the area, so because the challenge, like you said, wasn't bad. It was just a clean tackle. So I don't really because if you argue Dogso, then I would argue Santiago Sosa had the angle on him. So I'm not sure what it was a red for. But honestly, I think you could make an argument it wasn't even a foul. Because I thought Jake, like you said, studs were down, got the ball, went through the ball, obviously got the defender. 
But yeah, I agree it wasn't a red at all. It got rescinded, rightly so. Um, but I don't think, I think you make argument wasn't even a foul because I don't think you could claim Docs in that situation. I wonder if like that had been Miles Robinson making that tackle, if like the ref wouldn't have like batted an eye. But maybe because it was Mulraney, a winger, you know, tracking all the way back. But I don't know. It just, that, that frustrates me because it makes me lose faith in the system that MLS has kind of done well with, right? They've done well with VAR compared to a league like, you know, Premier League where they're bringing out protractors and rulers and crap. Uh, so for that to like completely fail in this case was super frustrating. Luckily, Atlanta, you know, they got a result. But I mean, with how injury depleted they are and dealing with that red card, I mean, you can just tell especially in the fan base, things are getting, you know, there's a lot of frustrated feelings going about the players. On the other hand, they just fought. They just went after it. They didn't even care, um, you know, that they had the red card and that they were having to battle back into it and, and, you know, squandered that one, nothing lead. However, they were smart for not going up to nothing because we all know what happens when you do that to Nashville. Um, but I think the fight that the player show is really good for Atlanta Hopefully it's something they can build on. I'm not sure that they will, but maybe it's something they can, you know, turn into the momentum. That being said, they're missing pretty much half their team, and I wish I was exaggerating, but I'm pretty sure at this point there are about 15 injuries slash call-ups. Like, seriously, it's that many players. And you can throw suspensions in there, too, with Sosa. I, I think it's time for Atlanta to just throw all the chips under the table into the player kids movement. I think they need to just start giving these young dudes minutes, players like Jackson Conway, players like George Campbell, uh, because at this point, you know, someone like Kubo Torres, um, I can't even give any other examples because the team is so thin. I think it's just time. It's just time to start playing these kids, get them meaningful minutes, develop them. Heinze has a great track record for developing young players. It's been a, kind of frustrating from a fan perspective to watch him trot out Kubo Torres every single week when you have someone like Jackson Conway on the bench. This is a dude who in his like two, two singular first team appearances has scored goals. So like, I know, I know Heinze sees them in training, but like, dude, results are results. That's two goals in like 50 minutes, maybe. Kubo Torres has made starts. He has made dozens of appearances and he has one goal, one goal. Jackson Conway has two. I think it's time that we start playing Conway. So I would, you know, personally, I would love to see Atlanta go in that direction where you're getting these guys minutes um, and finding out whether or not these dudes are the real deal. I think the jury is out on Tyler Wolf, although I'm starting to lean towards maybe he's not ready. We haven't seen enough of George Campbell. I think people want to see more of Jackson Conway given the scoring that he's done. Uh, so I think this is a real opportunity for Atlanta to do that and to actually develop their young players for once. All right. Interesting discussion. I have nothing to add. Um, Let's not forget that uh, Kubo Torres handball. I would love to forget about it. It was <laughs> atrocious. It was so egregious. And that's it. That's all I want to say about it. Just awful. Drew, I want to know quickly before we go on the player of the week, goal of the week, all that stuff. How much crap did you get during the game from fellow employees being an Atlanta United supporter during this game? I, you know, that's a good, that's a good question. It was, you know, it was nice to be a neutral fan, hoping both teams had fun. 
Um, and I will say this, though, for both these games, I think, more so for Atlanta and Nashville, this was the first game that it actually felt like a rivalry, I think, because they're trying to generate these rivalries. But I think this game, if games could stay like this, then I think Atlanta and Nashville could turn into something cool. And especially with Caleb Porter shushing Cincinnati, I think both these rivalries could turn into something really awesome. So I will say that. But it was a lot of fun. First time I've seen Atlanta United in a while. Grand, it was in pretty different circumstances being in a press box and not being able to cheer. I just wanted to cheer and be mad at the same time. Like when Kubo's handball happened, I was like, Kubo, what are you doing? But also, Nashville's going to get a goal. So it was a wild time. It was a wild time. But it was a fun game. Hope we get more like it because I want this to be a rivalry because it's the closest team to Atlanta. And I hope it turns into something. But it was a good game to watch. All right, let's do goals of the week. Who wants to go first? I will. I picked Romel Kyoto's goal for Montreal. Um, and actually more so for the assist on the goal from Georgi Mihailovic. Uh, he had a beautiful uh, kind of whipped in uh, ground pass that beat. I think it cut out like two defenders. It was just perfectly placed. It was just out of reach from the goalkeeper. So Kyoto could run onto the ball um, uh, sidestep the keeper and then from a tight angle, then dribbled over another guy and then kind of walked the ball in. So one great assist from Mihailovic and two super disrespectful finish. So I loved it. So even though it wasn't super flashy or anything, it wasn't like a huge bit of skill. Like the packaging of the goal was wonderful. Uh, Drew, who's your goal of the week? I went with Lucas Zellerion's goal against Cincinnati. I think it was Columbus's first. They were down 2-0 and Zellerion pulled one back at the end of the first half. It was a banger like we've kind of grown accustomed to seeing from this guy, and it was awesome. So I went with Zillarion as my goal of the week. Connor, what was your goal of the week? I was debating between two, but I went with the one that first came to my head, and that is Subasa Endos against New England Revolution. I was debating going with Carlos Heel's free kick, though, because that was a pretty good free kick. Um, but I thought Subasa Endos, really, really nice shot, cutting out towards the center line. Uh, slash center spot from sort of the side of the 18 and curling it around. I can't, it wasn't uh, Turner in goal, but whoever the back, the New England is. goalkeeper. Yeah, I, whoever that is. Uh, really, really nice finish, and I was very impressed with that. Players of the week. I will continue because I stuck with my club and I went with Jefferson Soteldo. Uh, thought he played really well. Keeper could have done a lot better on his goal, but we'll ignore that. Got his first one for TFC, first one in MLS. Uh, so I won't be ever since to tell, though. We'll go Drew next because both of our opinions don't matter. Only Josh's does. Um, so who did you go with for your player of the week? Yeah, I stint, stuck with my goal of the week pick. I went with Zellerion, who got a goal and an assist against Cincinnati after Columbus went down a man. Uh, he... Did what he does, led the team, and try to get a point back and let him well with a banger of a goal and an assist. So I went with Zellerion as my goal of the week and player of the week. But Josh, you got your votes in. Who did you vote for for player of the week? And uh, Demir Krylock won, but who did you have? Who are your two votes for player of the week? Yeah, I did not put Krylock as either of my options. I, like Connor, went with Jefferson Soteldo uh, as top pick. I mean, great performance, goal and assist against, you know, top team in the league. Great rebound. Um, performance from Toronto, so I felt he was deserving of it. And then uh, my second pick was Alvaro Madron at uh, Chicago. Again, huge upset victory for them in that 3-1 win over um, Orlando, down in Orlando. So big road 
victory for the Chicago Fire. I can't remember his exact stats. I think he had either two assists or a goal and assist, but either way, he was really important for all three of their goals. So that's my, uh, those are my votes for player of the week. Moving on to game to watch this weekend. I'll go first. Uh, I've got Columbus crew versus NYCFC Saturday night, 7 30 PM. Um, I want to know if Columbus can actually like get going here because they have been kind of spinning their wheels all season long and they're still below the playoff line. We talked about this last week. Uh, me, you and me and you drew Connor, are you freaking out because I didn't pick new England versus Atlanta? We forgot to talk about Hurtado. Oh, right. Uh, let's tack him on in the next, in your pick, Connor, because you kind of talked about his team, but he did join Columbus. Maybe we'll see him this week. Maybe we'll not. Connor, you'll tell us more about him in a second, but I also want to know if, uh, NYCFC can beat Columbus because last time these two teams played, it was Lucas Elarion with two amazing free kicks, uh, to get Columbus to win, even though NYCFC played better overall in the game from what I was watching. So I'm really curious to see who will come out on top with this. Um, let's go with you, Connor. Tell us about the Eric Hurtado news and your game of the week. We're not going to talk about Eric Hurtado this okay. week. We're going to talk about him next week because I want to see what Toronto FC does with Nick Deleon. And I'll be very interested to see what the result of that is. Uh, but my game of the week, as Josh sort of hinted to, is Eric Hurtado's former team, uh, Montreal CF, the foot, whatever the hell you want to call them. The foot against Cincinnati. It's the battle of the bottom of the table again, uh, or sort of a pretty big playoff push as well, because I think they're both right in it. Uh, where uh, What? Montreal is in fourth. In the East. Yes, they what? Are. They just beat NYCFC with that 2-1 win from Mihailovic and Kyoto's game-winning goal in the final five minutes, I think it was. Well, my prediction about the Montreal club to foot Montreal looking pretty good right now. Um, but <laughs> uh, I went with Montreal against Cincinnati. I want to see if Cincinnati can continue it against a team that's been pretty hot recently. Uh, I'm just going to pull up their most recent games to sort of give you an idea. They have gone undefeated in, wow. They've gone undefeated since they played Atlanta May 15th. So we'll see if Cincinnati can, uh, oh, actually no, against Cincinnati May 22nd. Cincinnati won that game. So we will see whether or not Montreal can get revenge uh, or if Cincinnati can continue their fine form uh, and, Potentially, this could have huge implications late in the season, but Drew, you left the East. You abandoned us. Which is your game of the week? Yeah, I went with LAFC and RSL Saturday night. Um, We've talked a lot about LAFC, if they're going to kind of turn on figure out if it's LAFC that we expected. Um, They've won their last two, beat Austin FC 2-0 this past Wednesday, and they beat RSL last uh, Saturday, July 3rd, 1-0. So LAFC, maybe this is going to be the start of a turnaround. I think we talked about how many points we thought they would need uh, for them to be a turnaround of this next stretch, and it's a really good start for them. Two games, six points. So we'll see. They're playing a team that they just beat a couple weeks ago. So I'm really excited to see it. Uh, LAFC and RSL, Saturday night. Um, Yeah, it should be an exciting time. Um, But a lot of games going on this week, which means a lot of fantasy action. 
going on. We're going to look at team standings really quickly here. I know I'm not doing very good. Um, I have it up. No, you're not good. Uh, I have it up if you don't have it. Do you? Uh, I do. Peachy Swagger's in first. What happened to Blender Daddy Boys? He He's struggling. He's fallen yeah. off for us. It's tight at the top. Very tight at the top. Between fifth and first is only like 55 points uh, difference. So running at the top five, we got first, Peachy Swagger. Gotta love Peachy Swagger. Second, Goat Brackshay. Third, Older Goaler. Fourth, our boy, Blender Daddy's Boys. Fifth, Colorado Crapits. Um, in terms of our positioning, you'll be very surprised to hear that Josh Boland has continued unless. to bring up the bottom of the league because Hilario Muniz never made his team or set his fantasy lineup, and you are sitting at the bottom. Although you are very close to Allison, Gresselmania, uh, somehow... But again, I find it hard to believe that you'll catch up considering you are still starting Stefan Fry, who's injured, Walker Zimmerman. You um, had three players that played. Eight of your yeah. 11 players did not play. Oh my gosh, man. This is why I hate fantasy soccer so much. And your goalkeeper put up negative two points. Who's uh, my goalkeeper? Matt Freeze. He's think. on your bench. Yes, oh. because... He goes in because Stefan Fry isn't playing. So that was um, good that you didn't have... So it's actually good that you chose a player who did not... Who is hurt. That's how no, bad because, it is. No, because the backup takes his place... Oh, it automatically puts fills it in? in with, yes. Okay, whoops. So you still lost the two points. Um, Drew, you had a good week this week, all things considered. You put up 67 points. You're sitting in 13th. I'm doing uh, better. Yes, you're. This doing is gonna better. be my week. I'm calling. This is. I made my lineup before the episode. I got all green lights. Nice. They're all playing. It's hopefully, go time. Hopefully, they do better than Harrison Athel last week, who put up. Oh my gosh! Three. Got a red card um, in like 15 seconds. <laughs> and hopefully, you've changed your captain from Chicharito. Yeah, it's Carly Seal now. Is injured. Uh, How many points did Harrison Athel get me? Negative three. Okay, I think you said negative 15. I was about to no. throw my computer against the wall. <laughs> negative three. Uh, so there you go. And I'm sitting in ninth. Uh, I'm battling it out with Dave, Dave's Delights, whoever that is, and Ivan Arnelas, Martinez, uh, Martinez Mantares. So we'll see who comes out this week. I got to set my lineup. Uh, but you had four guys that didn't play. Did I? Yeah. I think I did. Daryl yeah, DK, did. Christian Roldan. It's okay because my boy Nkosi Burgess came in, or Nkosi Tafara came in to fill one of those slots. Jefferson Sataldo came in, filled one of those slots too. Um, so, you know, bench saving me. Bench is saving me. But. With Josh still refusing to set his lineup, I believe we've come to the logical conclusion of this podcast. So, Drew, why don't you take us out? Yes, thanks, guys, so much for tuning in to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. We really appreciate it. 
And as always, visit the website mlsmultiplex.com as our writers crank out really awesome written content. As leagues, leagues, the league continues to happen fast as games get played all the time, midweek games, weekend games. And then we have the Gold Cup coming up, so a lot of content coming out of the website, so go visit it. You can follow the website at Twitter at MLS Multiplex to see stories published, posted as they get published. And you can find us on social media, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Josh at Josh underscore Bullen, and Connor at CWG Somerville. So give us a visit on Twitter and visit the website on Twitter and at the website itself as well to catch really awesome written content. And uh, please leave reviews on the podcast. We love hearing ways you can get better. We love hearing from you guys. And, yeah, thanks so much again for listening, guys. And be sure to tune in next week because we have more games coming. So thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.